Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. We are talking about prayer, and we're talking about prayer by looking into uh, the, the Psalms. And um, I, I, I want to start today by, uh, by I, I want to talk to you about a, a prayer acrostic I used to, I used to use because I think it's going to help us find a track to run on as we go through this. If you want to go ahead and get uh, prepared, I am going to be in Psalm 51 today. I'm in Psalm 51, so if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, then, then let, let me tell you how I used to lead midweek services in prayer. We would have Wednesday night prayer meetings. I would lead them this way. I would structure the whole evening this way. We would start with the, we would use the word pray to organize our evening. And we would start with praise. You should always, let me, I'm going to, this is the sermon inside the sermon. These are not our points to the sermon, but this is going to be the sermon before the sermon, okay? You should always begin your prayer time by praising God for who he is. Because listen, God deserves our praise if he never does anything for us. Can, can, can I just tell you, no matter what, God deserves our praise because of who he is, not because of what he's done. He deserves our praise because of what he's done, but even if he's done nothing, he still deserves our praise because he's God. And so we need to praise God first. You say, well, wait, I'm crushed. I'm falling apart. I need help. I'm desperate. Can I just start there? Well, you can. But when you start with praise, what you tend to do is you tend to get yourself in the right location for the prayer to be more effective. Because if you start with just, I need, 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 you got yourself at the front of your thinking. If you start with praise, you get God at the front of your thinking. And when you get God at the front of your thinking, sometimes that alone changes the way you view the situation enough that, that you begin to see it in a different perspective. It can bring healing all by itself just by seeing God in the right perspective. So when we get, begin with praise, that's just huge. So we start with praise. The next word with P R repent. You need to your, your second stop is repent because quite frankly, we all need to ask repentance, ask forgiveness for something. I don't know any perfect people. Therefore, repentance is something all of us need to ask for. Now, there's different levels of repentance. Some of us need a whole lot more repentance than others. That may be true, but there is nobody out there that does not need to repent or ask God to forgive them for something. So we need to go to repentance. We're going to get, I'm, you're going to see some of that in what we're, about to, what we're about to read. The next word, P-R, praise, repent. The next word is ask. Ask because it is okay to ask God for things. All throughout scripture, we see people doing that. We see people making requests of God. They do it in the right order. They do it in the right way. They understand who God is. God is not the cosmic Santa Claus nor is he the cosmic vending machine that if you put in the right amount of money and push the right buttons, God has to spit out what you want. That's not how this works. 
It's, it's God, God is not going to show up on Easter and give you presents and leave them under your tree. It's not the way that works. What, what God is doing is God is answering prayers the way we need them answered, sometimes as opposed to the way we want them answered. Our God is always working to grow us and to put us in a position where we can help to grow others. But when we ask, you can ask for anything that makes sense. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're asking God for a Maserati, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I'm just going to be blunt about it, all right? Because I'm not sure that's, you know, I'm, I'm not sure God cares. I, I have to be honest. I'm going to be very honest here, and maybe I'm wrong. So don't, don't even, I'm not, what I'm about to say is not theologically something I'm going to stand on. I'm not, in a couple weeks, the Super Bowl is going to happen. I'm not sure God cares who wins. I'm just going to be real honest with you. You pray, but there's just as many people praying on the other side, unless it's Philadelphia and then nobody. No, I'm just, I'm joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. I mean, but, but, but you see what I'm saying, right? There, there, there's plenty of people praying on both. I don't think God's going to take a position on this. Uh, but there are other things we pray about when we ask God for things. I, we're going to get into some of this. This sermon is really going to help us with that. And the, my last one, and here's why I wanted to give you this acrostic is because of the last one. Praise, repent, ask, and watch. The last one, the why, is yield. And a lot of people would ask me over the years, why do you use that one? I don't understand that one. That one confused people. Well, I put that in there because I think one of the great arts of learning to have a powerful prayer life is yielding to God's answer whether it's what I wanted or not. It jumps back to the praise point. If God is in charge and God does know what's best for me, then whatever the answer is when I ask him, I need to yield to that answer because it is what is best. It is what God wants for me. It is what God is going to provide for me. And I need to yield to his power, to his authority, to his sovereignty, no matter what the answer to my request was. Even if the answer, look, look, the old pastors used to say, God will always answer prayer. He'll give you a yes, he'll give you a no, or he'll give you a wait. Okay, the worst one is the wait. All right, because the no, okay, fine, it's no. The yes, woohoo, here we go, right? But the wait, oh, come on, God, I don't want to wait. And that's the way the pastors used to say that. I, I think sometimes you don't really know whether it's a yes or no, because the waiting happens first. And I think what we have to do is yield ourselves to God's timing, to God's will, to God's presence, to God's sovereignty. We've got to yield ourselves to who he is. Praise helps puts us in position to be able to do that at the end. Otherwise, what we're going to think is, God, I praised you. I, I asked your forgiveness and I asked for something that makes sense. Now you got to provide. Nope. Yield. Yield. You yield now because you're, look, y'all, everybody stay with me. There is a God and you're not him. Therefore, you've got to understand that if he's in charge and he's sovereign, he gets to make these choices. Now, all of that lays a groundwork for what I want you to see in Psalm 51. Let me put you in context. Psalm 51 is written by King David. Not all the Psalms are, most of them are, uh, but this one is written by King David. It clearly tells us that it's written by King David and it tells us when it is written. Psalm 51 is written by King David, and it is, a, it is a hymn, it is a song written after his affair and that whole 
episode with Bathsheba. So he has an affair with Bathsheba. He kills Uriah. Baby dies. All of that happens, right? And then, and then that's when we get this psalm. So he is literally writing a song that is expressing his heart and his experience following this horrible moment in his life, this horrible thing that he's done, this horrible thing that he's been caught in, the embarrassment, the humiliation, all of that. He, he, all of that is playing in his mind. And so he writes a song to it. Uh, and so, so listen, to, listen to the word. Now with that in context, listen to the words. Verse one, have mercy on me, O God. Now watch what he does. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. You see what's happening? We get praise right off the bat. He's talking about God's unfailing love. Now, he could be whining because he got caught, or he could be angry with God because the baby that came about because of this affair has died. Both of those things took place. And David could be angry about those things. He could be upset with God. He could be yelling. But instead, he, he looks at God and he understands the failure was mine. The outcome of it was in God's hands. And God, yes, God allowed this. Yes, it's a horrible thing. But I must yield to who he is. I must yield to his sovereignty. And David is able to do that and begin his prayer even after this horrible moment with you are a God of unfailing love and great compassion. Do you see it? He's able to praise God even in the midst of this darkness. Now, he then starts, listen to what he says. Blot out my transgressions. He confesses that he has done things. Let me give you the first point. What we're going to deal with first is he begins in here with confession. I want you to understand that that confession is coming on the heels of and in the midst of praise. All, all, all of the Psalms, do you see this peppered throughout the Psalms. There's praise. Even in the darkest, the, the, the most difficult of Psalms, there's praise. There's understanding of who God is. And so we see it here as well. But he's beginning with confession. Have mercy on me, blot out my transgressions. In between those two phrases, he puts some praise telling who God is. And, and giving God honor and glory for who he is. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2. Wash away all my iniquity. Notice that he owns it. He's not trying to say it's something you did to me. You put that woman in front of me. You got me in this wrong spot. You allowed this to happen. Why did you do that? If you love me so much and you want me to act a certain way, why did you put desires in front of me? He didn't do any of that. We do a lot of that in our lives. He didn't do any of that. It's my iniquity, he says. He owns it. And cleanse me from my sin. He owns it. Y'all, confession means that I have to own what I've done. I have to own the fact that I did this. Sometimes, sometimes I'll find myself praying and I'm asking God to forgive me for this or that or something else that I thought or something that went wrong in my mind, in my mind or in my life. And I'll find myself saying, you know, this over here, uh, let, let's do this. I'll, I'll find myself praying and I'm praying about my marriage, right? And I'll find myself saying, well, if Tina would just, and I immediately, the Holy Spirit smacks me upside my head. You know, because it's like, it's like, no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with her. This is my problem. This is my thinking. This is, this is me. God will deal with her on her side. This is me. I'm dealing with me. He says, this is my iniquity. He says, this is my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin, listen to, listen to this phrase, is always before me. Now, I want you to hear me. This is not a defeatist attitude. 
I don't want you to see this as a defeatist attitude where he's like, I'm never going to make it. I'm always going to have sin in front of me. This is an understanding of the brokenness of who he is. He understands that. Let me just keep going. Watch. Against you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So the sin that he has done, my sin, okay, my transgressions, my sin, my transgressions, my sin, all against you, have I, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you, Lord, are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. You see, he is now saying to God, even though what just happened, I'm not good with, I wish that had not happened. I understand that you have the right to do that and you are just in your, in your judgment and you are right in your verdict against me. Now watch. Surely I would, this is verse five. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now let me pause here just a minute. Let me unpack something. There are sins that are your fault and there are sins that you are trapped in. So we, we, everybody stay with me, stay with me. All of us have genetic predispositions to certain wrongdoing. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? We got to be real about this thing. You can't be mad at anybody else for that. You, look, everybody, everybody said, you can't be mad at your mom and daddy because they gave you a genetic predisposition to something. Okay? I can't be mad at my dad because, I, my, because I'm balding. Y'all all right? I can't do that. Well, the same thing happens in, in any other genetic predisposition. You just have to own it. You have to understand that we are all born with transgressions. We are all born. I got y'all very first Sunday I ever preached at New Life back in 1999. I preached this point that we are born sinful. And I had a lady come down and literally scream at me for about 15 minutes. She started with the words, I have a degree in psychology, which usually is a bad sign for a conversation. And, um, and so she started there and she let me absolutely, she ripped me up one side and down the other because babies are born perfect and all y'all, if babies were born perfect, humans wouldn't turn out the way they turn out. Now y'all, I'm, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, I, I, I often think my grandkids are perfect, right? But that's because they're my grandkids. They're not perfect and they do prove it. And I do know that, but I'm a grandparent, so I forget it. Like almost immediately. And so, so the truth is, the truth is that there are no perfect humans because we are born into a sinful and broken world. Therefore, we are born as sinful and broken individuals. And it is that broken sinfulness, then complicated by our choices and other people's choices, that put us in bad situations over and over and over and over again. I just answered a profound question for you. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's because we're born as sinful and broken people and we are surrounded by sinful and broken people. And the, when sinful and broken people bump into each other enough times, they hurt each other. And then bad things happen to good people. And this happens over and over again. This is how it works. But you say, well, I, I want God to change it. Well, I do too, but he hasn't and he's not going to. And he's sovereign and we have to yield to what he says. And so what do we need to do? Confess my problem. I don't need to confess your problem. Can I be, y'all, y'all, I work, I work with groups. I work with a number of groups. I'm going to be real nice and not say what groups that I'm talking about right now. But I work with groups outside of Southern Maryland. And, and, and I got to tell you, they're real good at confessing other people's problems. But they refuse to confess theirs. 
And therefore, we've got, we've got situations that are so broken and can't be fixed. Can I tell you a phrase that is, that is look, confession? We're on confession. Let me give you a phrase that absolutely tells you a problem can't be fixed. Well, so-and-so said to me, and it's true, but I can't divulge my sources. When that's the sentence you start with, stop talking because the issue cannot be fixed. If you can't get to the person who is offended, you can't fix the problem. I'm just, y'all are, well, you know, confidentiality is very important. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says confess. I need a better amen than that. The Bible says confess these things. Why? Because in confession, we find healing. In confession, we find understanding. When I'll actually say to you, hey, you know what? You did this and it hurt my feelings. I think maybe you're wrong in this way. Then they explain, well, no, that's not what I meant. I did this over here. I can come to understanding. Even if they said, yeah, that is what I meant. I can at least come to understanding. We can at least understand that we understand each other. And now maybe we need to stay in separate rooms. I mean, you see what I'm saying? But if you're, if you're not even going to allow somebody to talk to you, healing can't happen. Forgiveness can't happen. You've got to start with confession. Now go back. Same thing is true with God. If I'm not willing to confess, God already knows my sins. Everybody needs to deal with that. But if I'm not willing to openly confess to him what they are, I won't find healing for them because I'm not willing to deal with the fact that they exist. Confession is absolutely important, and David shows us this. He then moves on, verse 6. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. That's a very odd phrase. It means that from birth, God requires, God desires that we would follow him from our earliest, earliest days. You taught me, he said, wisdom in that secret place. And then he says, verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let's back up. Hyssop is, a, is an ancient plant that was used for cleansing, but I don't want you to get the idea of it was used to wash your skin. Hyssop to this day is used by herbalists who, and they will take it in order to bring an inner cleansing. This is the imagery here is that God clean, cleanses us and cleans us from the inside out. And it's so deep. It's so pure that he makes us whiter than snow. Verse, verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Wait, 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 wait. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Even the points where you pushed me back, even the points where you taught me a lesson. Let me rejoice in that because even though it hurt in the moment, I learned from it. I understood something from it. I grew from it. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Don't remember, Lord, the things I've done wrong. Try to look at me and see me, y'all. Can I, y'all, stop. Let me, let me just say this. I often think that in a modern context, in our modern context, we would be better served in our current cultural context to view God as a grandfather than as a father. And I believe that even more now that I am a grandfather because I see the brokenness in my grandkids. But you know what? It doesn't bother me the way it is when it was my kids. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't even get it. I don't even understand why it works this way. Like, like they, the, the three of the girls spent the night with us last night, right? And Louisa decided that she wasn't going to sleep when she, unless she's the little one. She's like eight months old. She decided she wasn't going to sleep unless she was on my chest or laying beside of me touching me somehow. Do you know how hard it is to sleep that way? <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, and yet... 
I was loving every minute of it. I mean, I knew I needed to sleep, and I, half the time she's laying on me, and I need to move because my arm's asleep, but I'm not moving because I wake the baby up. You know, I mean, but, but and, and, and so I hate it, and I love it, and it's, it's all, I think God views us that way. I think when he sees us, he will willingly choose to hide his face from our sins and blot out our iniquity. Do you see that? And so, so, so I, th- I think God does that. I think, I think that God sees us and just wants to love us no matter what. And what is David doing here? Verse 10, create in me a pure heart. He's requesting. He's moved from confessing to requesting. He's requesting things of God, but look at what he's requesting. He's requesting that God would cleanse him from the inside out. He's requesting that God would make him whiter than snow. He's requesting that God would, would, would let him see joy even in the lessons that he's had to learn. He's requesting that God would not see his sins. He's requesting, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You notice there's not, there's not a Maserati anywhere in here? You see that? There's not a request for things. There's a a request that God would change me. There's a request that God would change who I am. It's very interesting to me, and I've I've been going through, uh, I deal with a lot of people. I personally am uh, 57 now, and so it's kind of a midlife thing, a middle-aged thing, you know. Middle-aged means I live to 114, so I guess I'm over the hill, but that's beside the point. Um, but some somebody about my age had to be the one laughing right there. But um, but you know, it, 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 I deal with a lot of people in that age group now. So I've been listening to a lot of books that that kind of walk this journey. It's interesting to me that the psychologists, even the modern psychologists that aren't Christians, they take this same approach. It's time when you finally get to that inner brokenness. And you confess that inner brokenness and you bring it out. That's when you're able to find peace and that's when you're able to step forward. That's what David's asking for here. One, one author I was, I, I was reading recently said, the child, the broken, hurt child inside of me, he doesn't go away. Listen to what he said. He said, but I've learned to sit with him in peace and deal with him and we can walk this journey together. That's what David's saying here. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's not that God's going to take all the pain and all the ugly away. It's that God's going to give you the ability to sustain through it. None none, None of the painful memories that David has created have gone away. But God will hide his face from David's sin. God will create in him again a pure heart. This is still a man after God's own heart. God will will renew a steadfast spirit. Do you see all of this happening? It's requesting that God would make me real, would make me whole, would make me healthy. Listen, you say, well, isn't that a very self-centered prayer? 
Well, yeah, to a point, except for this. It's kind of like when you're on the airplane and they say when the, when the, if, if necessary, the oxygen mask will drop down. From, if they ever do, calmly take them. Who's going to calmly do this? But anyway, calmly take them. And they always say this, put your mask on first. Why? Because if there's really a loss of pressure, you have only seconds before you'll pass out. Get the oxygen on you first. Then you can help somebody beside you. If the person beside you can't put the mask on and you pass out before you get it on them, you're both gone. But if you take care of you first, you can save somebody else. Do you see that? Which leads us to the next one, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Then. It's after the internal healing. It's after him requesting that God, God cleanse his heart. It's after cleanse me with hyssop, cleanse me from the inside out. It's after make me pure. It's after renew a right spirit in me. It's after all of that. It's after confession. It's after asking that God would make him whole. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Can you just pause here for just a moment? And remember what David did. David murdered Uriah. Cleanse me from the guilt. Oh, this is not David saying, cleanse me from the guilt of all the blood that has been shed because I was king and I had to conquer other armies. No, this is very specific. This is very personal. Oh God, you are, the, you are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. This is progress. You get confess. You get confess. You get, you get request. And you get progress. But the progress only comes after the progress only comes after the confession. And it only comes after you ask God to change you from the inside out. Then that progress that He puts in you, it's then that that progress begins to teach transgressors His ways so that sinners will turn back to you. It's after that you, you find deliverance from the guilt of bloodshed. It's after that that you, O oh God, are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight. This is so interesting. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it to you. David knew that he didn't need a sacrifice. He needed a confession. God wasn't asking him to do some great thing. God was just asking him to confess what he'd done, ask forgiveness, and ask God to change him from the inside out. Yeah, you, you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit. Did, can, I, can I just ask, did you know that God sometimes has to break you to make you? So, 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 so my sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Then, after all that, may it please you to prosper as I am. You notice we just now, we just now got to prayers for outside. We just now got to corporate prayers. May it please you to prosper as I am to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Verse 19, last verse. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then, uh, in burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. It's not until after the healing of the human that the worship of the divine has its power. 
There, there is this confession and this request. There's, there's the healing of us that gives power to the worship of him. There's this healing of us that makes the worship of him whole and meaningful. He wants to start with the healing of us. And I do not mean that in our modern American Western sense where somehow all of a sudden we're big and powerful and strong and good looking and got all kinds of money and got rich cars and all that. I don't mean that. I mean a real healing of us where all of a sudden we're just good. I'm good with who God made me. I'm good with what God's going to do with me. I'm good with who God is in me. And very few of us, listen to me, very few of us are there. But when we get there, by the way, let me pause. I'm going to tell you what I think it's going to be like because I'm not sure I'm there. I'm just, I'm being real transparent. When we get there, there'll be the ability to just be in the presence of God. Not do for God, conquer for God, declare for God, win for God, but just be in God. And let me be very honest with you. Every single one of us has to be able to come to this place because no matter how strong, powerful, overcoming, in charge you are, there will come a moment where you can't provide anything for anybody anymore. And in that moment, should it persist for a period of time, you'll need to be okay with just being in God. And by the way, you might just find out that's where he's wanted you to be all along. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We praise you. We repent, we ask of you, we yield to your power. Lord, we confess that we're broken. We confess to the broken child that still lives inside every one of us. Lord, we request that you help us to grow. Lord, it's not a biblical image, but it's a good one. We request that you give us the ability to sit alongside that broken child and learn to live at peace with him or her. Make us, Lord, at peace with ourselves. And then, Lord, give us the progress that we might teach others to come alongside you, to walk with you, and to be changed by you. And, Lord, we will give you praise for all you do because you deserve our praise. Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.